Welcome to the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. We've provided a collection of sermons, our midweek lessons, and many more tools to help you grow in your walk with God. Be sure to subscribe and feel free to share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Thanks for listening. Well, it is great, great to be here. It's great to have worship together. I love being here. Teresa and I are so grateful to uh, be in Connecticut. I just want to thank the whole congregation. You have just made us feel so welcomed, so much like family. Uh, In a sense, I feel like I've been here forever uh, because you guys have made me feel like I've known you forever. And we just love the connections and have felt so encouraged um, to be here. I'm so grateful to God for that. So I hope to encourage you today. You've been encouraging us. I'm hoping to pass it on to you. So I've been studying out Jesus for, boy, almost two years now, uh, particularly in the Gospels, almost exclusively in the Gospels, because if you're going to study about Jesus, you got to go to the Gospels. And uh, I've been digging. I love to do this. Sometimes I pick a topic. I start in Genesis, go all the way to Revelation, and just look for that. And, and that's what I like to do in my own personal Bible study. Uh, So I just want to share what I've been learning, what I've been inspired by, and I pray uh, that it encourages your hearts as well. Well, we're going to start a revelation. Let's talk about Jesus. We're going to talk about Jesus. So we're going to actually start at the end, and then we're going to backtrack slightly because we're starting a revelation. Odd way to start, but I just wanted to confirm something uh, to us. Revelation 19.11. I see. A heaven standing open. And this is John, the Apostle John speaking. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven are following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of the God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And that is our Jesus. That is our Jesus. That is our friend, our Lord, and our Jesus. I love Jesus. I am grateful to Jesus. Jesus holds all things together. He is 100% God Almighty, amazing, powerful, creative, astonishing. And all we can do is just stand in awe of our Jesus. I wish I were stronger. I wish I could cruise through life without weakness, without lust, without pride, 
without stress, without anger, without discouragement, and without depression. I tend to resent my weaknesses. I do. I see what they do. I feel ashamed of them. I want to feel like Jesus in Revelation. That's who I want to be. I want to be victorious, strong, powerful, mighty, unashamed, standing. So I research Jesus because that's who I want to be. So I researched Jesus. I went into the Gospels. Let's, let's talk about Jesus. So in the Gospels, it becomes really obvious as you're studying the Gospels that in order to be the victor Jesus was, in order to be a victor, well, actually, let's just start with Jesus. In order for Jesus to be the victor, Jesus had to first enter this epic struggle as a human. Hand-to-heart combat. Massive battles with his personal weaknesses. Struggling, wrestling in the smelly trenches of humanity. Fighting, blood, sweat, tears, and fears. So I kept researching Jesus. And I realized something that's a little scary. I, too have to be in the same smelly trenches as Jesus was, battling the same battle Jesus battled as a human, as a man. And I, too, have to fight like Jesus fought, fight and battle to be exactly where he was, to learn what he learned through struggle, through weakness, through suffering, blood, sweat, tears, and fears. And the problem is, I don't want to do it. I don't want that life. I don't want the weaknesses. I don't want the struggles. I want that. I want the victory. I want the victories without the battles. It's a conflict. I need help. I need Jesus. Where can I look but Jesus? He went before me. He did it. He was a man. He battled. So let's backtrack a little bit more. Let's go to Genesis. So in Genesis, we were made in whose image? According to Genesis, man was created in God's own image. God's image. God's own image. God is perfect. We're created in God's own image. We're created in perfect. God's perfect. And we're created in that. What a responsibility. So how's it working for you? Yeah, that's the best answer. Well, not really sure about that. Uh, yeah. Okay, here's a, here's, here's a tough question. Here's a deep question. Okay, man was made in God's own image. In whose image was Jesus made? Was Jesus made in God's 
perfect image without struggle because God is perfect and perfect doesn't struggle. So was Jesus made in God's image without, without, how does this work? See, Jesus was actually made in our image. Not Adam's image before the fall because Adam didn't need redemption. Jesus was actually made in our fallen human image after the fall, after all the chaos. That's pretty deep. Jesus is the conquering hero, but he first was created like us. Wow. This is intense because Scripture tells us that Jesus actually chose. Jesus chose to be made in our image. That's pretty intense. This was his choice. doesn't even say it was God's choice. It was Jesus' personal choice to be made in our image. Look at Philippians 2, 6 through 7. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He didn't consider it something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Being made, being made. He had to be made in human likeness. Man, that is intense. He did not selfishly cling onto his authority, knowledge, and power as God. He disadvantaged himself by letting it all go. Not a choice I would make. So, let's consider the consequences here. He chose to become human. He disadvantaged himself. Jesus the human made, created in our image. He was made in our struggling, weak, smelly image. Not a choice I would make. What are some of the consequences of this? They, they get deep. As a human... He ceased to be omniscient, all-knowing. He said he did not know, for instance, he did not know the day or the hour of his return. For instance, he said he did not know who would be on his right and on his left. He also ceased to be, in his human form, omnipotent, all-powerful. He could not call down, he didn't have the authority to call down angels. He said, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. I know how half the congregation, right? Right, right? Where are you going? Where are you going? You're going to Matthew 26, 53. That's where you're going. I want you to check that out. What does that say? Does it say, I could call down 10,000 angels? Is that what it says? It doesn't say that. It says, I could call on my father. Now, I'm not trying to change the hymn. I love the hymn. Love the hymn. Not trying to change it at all. It's just that this is an important point. Jesus gave up a lot. 
He gave up his omniscience, his omnipotence to become us. So he couldn't even call. He didn't even have the authority to call on angels. Only God could do that. Now, God was his father, so he could talk to God and say, God, you're doing this for me. But Jesus chose to not do that for us because it would have taken away the plan. Hebrews 2.9 says he was made lower than the angels. So he didn't have the authority even of angels. He gave up all that authority. He didn't have absolute power because we know that for a human, power corrupts. In fact, we know that absolute power corrupts absolutely. And we don't have to go that far in history or what's happening in the world to know how that works. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. So as a human, Jesus had to give that up so he could become us. Matthew 28 says, Jesus, after his resurrection, said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Well, why does he say it was given to him if he already had it? He didn't have it. It had to be given by God to him again after the resurrection. And here's the one that's more important for us, you and I. He couldn't give up or he didn't have the power to shed his weaknesses, and his struggles. That sounds a lot like us. Now again, I don't want anybody to get me wrong here. I believe in the Trinity. God Almighty, 100% God. God the Son, 100% God. God the Holy Spirit, 100% God. It's all God. Jesus is God. In his eternity, he is God. But he surrendered that to become us on earth. Now, why are we talking about this today? There is a reason we're talking about this. There's a couple different reasons. But the main reason is we need encouragement. Because we're struggling. Our day-to-day struggles leave us feeling ashamed. And so we need to address this. We need to address the discouragement we feel that I believe is all of Satan's doing. He has us, I'll say this word, bamboozled us into us a very old word. You guys have probably never heard this word before. But anyway, ask your parents. Hopefully they know. He's tricked us into believing a lot of lies. And I'm hoping to try to take care of some of this today, a little bit of it. We don't struggle today with the humanity, I'm sorry, with the divinity of Jesus. We do not struggle with that. Millennia of Christianity centuries of doctrine have got us convinced Jesus is divine. Now, as a non-Christian, I was not convinced of that. But when I studied my Bible, I'm like, oh my goodness, Jesus is divine. So Jesus, we don't have trouble with that. We, we pretty much have learned it. What we struggle with is believing he was ever human. We don't see it. We don't get it. We thought... We think Jesus has supernatural powers on the cross, supernatural powers with all his apostles. His whole life is all supernaturally driven. It's not. We have such trouble believing that. Even our DNA with our church, 40 years of church family, I'll say, in our DNA we've struggled with this because we emphasize authority so much more over relationship. Now, I don't believe we're doing that now, I believe we've learned a lot of lessons, 
But for all of us that have been around for 20 years plus, we understand the authority. Just like most men struggle with this. Women not as much. Men more. I don't want to say everybody's the same. But men tend to be understand authority a whole lot more than relationship. It's like one time, uh, you know, when we were leading uh, the ministry in, West, in, uh, in Rockland, we decided to start a campus ministry at West Point. So I grabbed Joe Casado. I grabbed um, um, one of the professors there uh, who was there, uh, Ted Campagna. And then the three of us went and started this campus ministry. So we're studying out the Lordship of Jesus, these cadets at West Point. Sir, yes, sir. Uh, well, did you understand Jesus is Lord? Jesus is Lord. Sir, yes, sir. <laughs> then we study out grace of God and relationship with God. And they'd be like, And that tends to be most men. We get the authority. We get Jesus' divinity. Jesus is Lord. Amen. Sir, yes, sir. But Jesus is also human. I mean, how many lessons have you heard about the humanity of Jesus? You know, once I, I was talking with an elder uh, recently uh, from, another, from uh, one of our sister fellowships, and I said, yeah, I'm going to talk about uh, the humanity and weaknesses of Jesus. And he goes, huh, what? He goes, did you read that in a book? I go, I don't think there are any books about this. I think you just have to dig in and get it. You just have to dig into the Gospels. Anyway, anyway, we need to get back to learning about the humanity. I don't want to distance the divinity of Jesus. I don't, I don't mean to do that, but we need to spend some time digging into the Gospels and seeing about the humanity, what we can relate to here. Jesus chose, he chose 100% humanity over his divinity on earth. Why? Why would Jesus give it all up? Us. And in order to relate to, he had to So when we go to the Gospels, we see this. Jesus cried with us. He struggled with us. He comforted us. He encouraged, loves us to fully understand us. He had to become 100% human. I don't relate to the divine. I don't relate to omnipotence and omniscience and omnipresence. I don't relate to all that power. I relate to struggle and weakness and temptations. I don't relate to Superman. Jesus, as a human, wasn't Superman. He, he gave up. He surrendered his omniscience, omnipotence to why? Look at Hebrews chapter 2. For this reason, he had to be make like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. He had to be made like them. How much? How human? 90% human? 99.9999% human? He had to be made 
fully human. Why? There's a reason here. In order that he might become, there's a process here. He needed to become what? He had to learn. The Bible says he learned. He had to become something. He had to become a merciful and faithful high priest for Wow. He had to learn what it meant to struggle and struggle and be weak and not like your weaknesses and struggle some more. How human was Jesus? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, in every way, just as we are. He was tempted in the exact same ways that we are tempted. Exact same ways. Oh, he was not tempted the way I'm tempted. Oh, yeah, he was. Oh, man, if I told you how I've been tempted, uh, you wouldn't even associate with me. Well, Jesus was tempted in the same way. Child abuse? Let's fill in the blank. We don't have to. You have enough imagination. You don't need me to fill in the blanks here. You know what you struggle with. You know the temptations you have had. And you think you're alone. Because Satan wants you to feel alone. That's why we got to get back to the Gospels. You are not alone. You are never alone in your struggle. Jesus is right there with your struggle. Every single struggle. He struggled. He struggled in the exact same way as you struggle. The exact same way. It's amazing. This is such good news. Man, this helps me. Because I don't feel alone. But we've got some cognitive dissonance here. <laughs> because Jesus was tempted in every way, but God cannot be tempted. James 1.13 says, God cannot be tempted. So Jesus became human so he could be. He chose these temptations? Wow. That is mind-blowing. Look over in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18. Did Jesus struggle? Because he himself struggled, suffered, I'm sorry, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Did Jesus struggle? He sure did. How tempted was he? He was tempted so badly. He suffered in his temptation. He must have been tempted right to the very, very edge of sin. To the very end. In the garden, I don't relate to most of the temptations. I'm sorry, garden in the desert. I don't relate to the temptations of take you up. Hey, I'll, I'll give you power over all these nations that Satan told Jesus. Look, if you fall down and worship me, this is what you can have. The one I struggle with is the bread. I mean, even today, I'm finishing up a short fast here. Um, so I haven't eaten for a while. And um, 
Um, yeah, you bring out a fresh baked loaf of San Francisco sourdough bread with the crusty outside and the moist, warm inside. And you have a little bowl of extra virgin olive oil with a little sea salt on it. A little, oh. Let's not go there. I'm having trouble refocusing. <laughs> Where are we? Jesus suffered. Yeah, he suffered. You think your, your temptations going right to the edge. And we fall. We know it. And we have to confess our sins because it's wrong to sin. Jesus went right to the edge. And he overcame it. But he knows what it is to struggle. He knows exactly what it is to feel everything you feel. Did Jesus have weaknesses? Well, let's go over to Hebrews 5.2. It says, He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and going astray because he himself is subject to weakness. He's subject to weakness. Why? So that he can deal how? That's important to know in your struggles and what you're going through. How is Jesus dealing with you? And why is he able to deal with you gently? Because he gets it. Because he too is subject to the exact same weaknesses. Now again, cognitive dissonance. God has no weakness. Jesus did. I don't get that. I just know it's true. This is so powerful, so encouraging, that Jesus sees himself in us. When you're struggling, I see that. I understand that. I've been there. But what's really maybe mind, more mind-twisting than that is when we see his struggles, we realize I can relate to that. I relate to that struggle. This is exactly the humanity the apostles saw. The struggling Jesus, the human Jesus, 100% human. They kept forgetting who he was because he was just like they were in their struggles and in their humanity. They related to him so much. They related all his ways and his quirkiness and his divergence and his frustration, and his hunger, and that sourdough bread. <laughs> he was such a normal human. His family had such a hard time believing he was more. They even came to take charge of him, including his mother, who had angels appear to her, telling him who he was. She still struggled because of his humanity. I mean... His whole town, they couldn't believe he was more than a simple carpenter. I mean, Jesus was the most normal guy. He would joke with people. He laughed with people. He was, like, so friendly. He ate with people. He hung out with people. He went to people's workshop and hung out. He was a guy that loved to do stuff. My goodness, he went to a small village wedding, and he made, after people had had way too much to drink already, he produced over 700 bottles of water into wine. And it wasn't just cheap wine. It was the best wine they'd ever had. 
Jesus, don't, don't. They've already had too much. And this wine's too good. I'm struggling. I want more. Jesus was a partier. He danced. He had fun. He laughed around. Hey, what were you talking about on the road there? And even after the resurrection, he was the exact same Jesus. Oh, what, what, what happened in Jerusalem? Oh, I don't know. What happened? <laughs> Peter was having trouble catching. Hey, cat, after the resurrection with Peter. Hey, throw it on the other side of the boat. <laughs> He's hanging out with the apostles. Hey, got anything to eat? <laughs> I mean, that was our Jesus. He was fun. He loved hanging out with people. People loved hanging out with him. Everybody wanted to be with him. Because he was so normal. The disciples had such a hard time believing he was more than a human. Even though they saw the miracles. Who is this? They kept asking. Who is this? Because they saw the humanity. John the Baptist struggled. Is there somebody else that's coming? <laughs> the apostles kept forgetting who he... The apostles kept forgetting he was more than just their best friend. Peter felt so close to the human Jesus... Peter felt free to rebuke him to his face. Would you rebuke the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? I'm sorry. No. It's just not what Peter saw. They couldn't fathom the resurrection. Even after the resurrection, some still doubted his divinity. Thomas had to actually see scars to believe. Because Jesus acted so human. Because he was. He just acted himself as a human. That's who Jesus was. This was the natural Jesus as a human. Finally, Thomas, as far as I can tell in my Bible study, finally at the end, after the resurrection, Thomas was the first one to declare, you are God. Before that it was, a prophet, or the Son of God, or Son of Man, or the, the Messiah. But this was the first example of someone actually realizing he actually was God at that point. Wow. In the Gospels, we see that Jesus was sad, angry, frustrated, impatient, discouraged, confused, emotionally down, full of grief, exhausted, stressed, alone, abandoned, betrayed, deeply hurt by those closest to him, surrounded by ungrateful people, struggled with his faith, called a drunkard and a glutton, didn't know everything, had to trust, had to trust, had to surrender, had to put up with 12 immature, slow-to-trust men who kept forgetting who he was. He even got hangry. He cursed a fig tree, that innocent fig tree. Because he was so hangry because he didn't find any food to eat. It sounds like you. It sounds like me. It sounds like us. That's our Jesus. Whew. For years, let's talk about me for a second. Maybe you can relate. For years, oh, for years I prayed that God would forgive my weaknesses, my struggles, 
and my temptations. I also prayed that God would forgive my sins, which is right to do. We all need forgiveness for our sins. But I was praying that God would forgive my weaknesses and my struggles and my temptations. Does God need to forgive weaknesses and struggles and temptations? Did he forgive them in Jesus? There's a massive difference between weakness, struggles, and temptations and sin. Have you prayed the same prayer? I don't know. I just know one time it occurred to me in my study of Jesus that Jesus never prayed those prayers that I pray. And I'm like, what was temptation sin? Is struggle sin? Is weakness sin? Well, Jesus was perfect. He never had to confess anything. And here I am confessing things that Jesus had. Because Jesus was filled with weakness and struggles and temptations. And he never prayed those prayers. It was really kind of world-shaking for me. Jesus is not struggling. Jesus is not sitting in judgment when you struggle. He's partnering with you in compassion and relatability. And I want to start similar to how, I want to end similar to how Patrick ended last week. Because I hope that this is helping you guys. It has certainly been a game changer for me. Because I think we need to deepen our connection with Jesus a lot more. And deep friendships are built on shared vulnerability and weaknesses. Haven't you found that to be true about your best friends? You don't hang out with your best friends because they're critical of you all the time. And, and probably that's why people don't want to hang out with Jesus. They don't want to hang out with Jesus because they think Jesus is going to be critical of them, critical of their weaknesses, critical of their struggles, critical of their temptations, condemning everything that they do. They don't want to hang out with people like that. We don't like to hang out with people who make us feel bad about ourselves all the time. We like to hang out with people that we actually feel good about ourselves with. What's really amazing is who's done this lie to us about Jesus? Satan. Satan has a convinced that Jesus is so critical with us and nitpicking every little thing. That's the opposite of Jesus. The literal opposite of how Jesus feels about you. No wonder people don't want to hang out with that Jesus. But boy, when we learn about the true Jesus, we want to hang out with that guy. That's the guy that's going to build us up. That's the guy that's going to laugh with us and joke with us and cry with us and struggle with us and encourage us and inspire us. I want a deep friendship with Jesus. I want Jim Brown. I want a deep friendship with Jesus. I want that Lord. I want that Jesus. That is my Jesus. You have more in common with Jesus than you realize. So I want to end with the same question. And this is a tough question for me. I want to get through this. <laughs> so, it's like a dream. Suddenly you realize you're walking down a road with Jesus. It's a, it's a beautiful day, beautiful fall day, warm weather, 70 degrees, no wind. Birds are chirping, lots of stuff going on. But it's this like middle of wherever, no traffic, no noise from humanity. It's just this open meadow with these trees in the distance and 
you know, it's just this gorgeous day, and you've been walking along for who knows how long you've been walking around with, with Jesus. You've been walking down a road with Jesus, and man, this is awesome. You've been walking in silence with Jesus. You've just been walking along in silence. It's like, wow, 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 well, man, I'm going to ask Jesus a question. What am I going to ask Jesus? And so you ask him. You say, Jesus, how do you feel about me? How do you, how do you feel about me? I need to know, how, how do you feel about me? Now, how you answer that question shows how much you know about the real Jesus or how much you've been bamboozled into believing Satan's picture of Jesus. Most men, I'll say men, I, don't, I can't speak for women, most men will say, well, Jesus will say, well, I love you, but I really, do you connect with that? That's most of us. I love you, but that's not the Jesus. Jesus, how do you feel about me? How do I feel about you? I love you. I, you are everything to me. You're the center of my heart. I cherish you. I, I, I feel so close to you. I just love being with you. I mean, I, how do I feel about you? I died for you. I'd do it again if I had to. Even if you were the only person I could die for, I would die for you. I love you. I just, yeah, but Jesus, I can't. But, but what about my anger issues? Oh, anger issues. Oh, boy, yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah, let's talk about my anger. Yeah, I had some deep moments of anger. Yeah, yeah. But Jesus, Jesus, I don't know. I mean, goodness, my worry, my anxiety. I mean, I, I mean, you know, he goes, worry and anxiety. Yeah, I've been there. Whew. Yeah, I've, yeah, yeah. I struggled with worry and anxiety as a human, too. Yeah, yeah, you want to talk about it? Yeah, I think, I think you know some of the times. Yeah, but what about purity? I don't see you being impure. Well, I wasn't impure. I didn't have to confess the sin of that, but temptation? Temptation, man, I struggled. Do you remember the time the woman was at my feet, the kind of woman she was? She was at my feet crying and wetting my feet with her tears and wiping them with her hair. Brother, I struggled. I suffered. I was right there. I was tough. But Jesus, I don't tr it's so hard for me to trust. I struggle with trust issues. What about trust? Trust. Yeah. On the cross. That was tough. That was hard. You see, this is our Jesus. This is your Jesus. This is my Jesus. This is the true Jesus. It isn't the religious Jesus that's portrayed in stained glass. It's not the traditional Jesus that you'll hear in very ultra-traditional churches that simply has a lamb in his hands. This is the Jesus of the Gospels. And if this is new for you, I encourage you to go back and study it out. Go back into the Gospels and research it yourself. See Jesus' struggle. Maybe I'm wrong. Go check it out for you. Don't just believe me. Go back to your Bible. Check it out and study it because this can be a life changer for you. It has been for me. 
I hope it can be for you. Amen. Praise God. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcasts.